Okay, well, we are uh, in John chapter 16, and this morning I was anticipating uh, Brother Craig to be preaching this message, but he called me on Thursday with some bad news. Uh, he was anticipating a medical procedure coming up. He had to go in for a COVID test, and the test came back positive, and he had no idea. Apparently, he is asymptomatic, okay? He does ha- not have any of the sy- symptoms, but he has to uh, be home in quarantine. So he called me and said, uh, Pastor, I can't preach this Sunday. And so I said, okay, well, it's obvious that God wants me to preach this message. And as I have prepared for this text, Craig, it is obvious I know you're watching online. It is obvious that he wants me to deliver this message uh, this morning. And so we're going to be looking, uh, well, we're going to be kind of following up with more of the same of uh, Jeff's message last week in uh, John chapter 15 and persecution. But uh, we're also moving into the Holy Spirit, the doctrines of the Holy Spirit. I was anticipating preaching verses. I had given Craig all of chapter 16. <laughs> and Craig was excited about preaching all of chapter 6. He, he, was, uh, he was armed to the hilt. And, uh, and so I kind of felt bad I gave him all chapter 16. So I was looking at chapter 16. There was no way I was going to cover all, six, all, all chapter 16. So I anticipated verses 1 through 15. But uh, this morning, I'm only going to give you verses 1 through 12. And uh, and that will be enough, and we'll finish up uh, next week. But uh, we're going to be looking, too, at the doctrine of the Holy Spirit, His his ministry in, in our lives. But, um, you know, in thinking about um, the Helper, uh, the Holy Spirit, our guide, uh, do you appreciate um, guides? Have you ever been on vacation or some places where it required a guide to point out the things that uh, you were looking at that you've spent a lot of money going to see. Uh, You know, I remember when I went to uh, the Holy Lands and uh, we had a guide. And uh, that guide was very knowledgeable about the places uh, that we we were visiting and would... Without that guide, we would have been lost. Um, you know, I remember uh, fishing with a guide one time. I've only been fishing with a guide one time. And the reason why it's only been one time, because it costs a lot of money to go fishing with that guide, but uh, it's it's worth the investment because you learn about... Uh, the nature, the habitat, the fish that you're trying to catch, uh, because that guide is so knowledgeable. Now, for me, I've had to learn the hard way, okay? But uh, if you go fishing with me, um, you're most likely to catch some fish unless you're Matt Cropley. And if you do catch a fish, it's going to be about this size, okay? But uh, I know I give them a hard time, but it's true. But uh, guides are important, and uh, we have been given the helper, the Holy Spirit, 
who is our guide. And uh, we are going to be looking that, at that a little bit this morning and much more next week. But again, as we look at chapter 16, um, once again we see Jesus knowing all the details about the future. And again, he's preparing his disciples for what is about to occur. He doesn't want them to be caught off guard. So let's look at John chapter 16, and uh, I'm going to go through this a section at a time. The first section is in verses 1 through 7, where we're ta- he's talking about persecution. And then in verses... Um, 8 through 12, uh, he talks about the provision, what he's going to give, who he's going to provide in the Holy Spirit. And then next week, we'll, we'll look at verses 13 through 15 primarily and what Jesus authorizes. He preauthorizes the New Testament. He stamps his authority and his approval on what the Holy Spirit is going to lead the apostles to write. And he wants, the, he wants us to know, uh, church, that all of the, what they write, all that is contained in the New Testament, all of it is truth. Because it has been inspired by the Holy Spirit, who is the Spirit of truth. All right? So we'll get into that next week. But let's look at verses 1 through 7 this morning first. These are Jesus' words. I have said all these things to you to keep you from falling away. What has he said to them? Well, if you go back to verse 18, uh, he told the disciples, if the world hate in chapter 15, if the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. And, uh, and and Jesus is just warning his disciples that what is about to happen to me is going to happen to you. So I'm telling you these things, Jesus says in verse, 16, verse 1 of chapter 16, to keep you from falling away. Verse 2, they will put you out of the synagogue. Indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think he is offering service to God. And they do these things because they have not known the Father nor me. I have said these things to you that when their hour comes, you may remember that I told them to you. I did not say these things to you from the beginning because I was with you. But now I am going to him who sent me, and none of you ask me, where are you going? Because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. It is to your advantage that I go away. If I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. 
But if I go, I will send him to you. Jesus tells his disciples three things. In this first passage, you're going to be persecuted. You are going to be put out of the synagogue. Now, if you were in first century Judaism um, and you were thrown out of the synagogue, it was a very big deal because the synagogue meant everything to the Jew. It was their way of life. There was no separation between the secular and the sacred. It was all combined together in and around the synagogue. It was, it was your way of life. It was your family. And if you were kicked out of the synagogue, um, you would be thrown out of your family. You would lose your job. You would lose your friends. You would be treated like a leper, a spiritual leper. And in many cases, you would be um, reduced to a life of a beggar. You would be worse than a pagan Gentile. And so people feared being tossed out of the synagogue, being de-synagogued. Because you would lose everything. And Jesus tells his disciples, verse 2, they will put you out of the synagogue. And it happened. It had happened to uh, these 11 disciples. And it happened to every follower of Jesus Christ who believed the truth, who spoke the truth, who lived the truth. They lost everything. Not only will you be tossed out of the synagogue, Jesus says, but those who, um, who kill you, not if they kill you, those who kill you who will think that they are offering service to God. Now, he's speaking to his disciples, okay, and we know what happened to, has happened to the disciples, but... Um, but we see today in modern times that those who persecute Christians, those who sacrifice Christians, are doing it in the name of their God. And we've seen this primarily in the religion of Islam, haven't we? And through um, what ISIS was trying to do several years ago. Um, but again, um, Muslims today in uh, third world countries are very um, uh, aggressive and hate-filled towards Christians. And Christians who go to uh, churches and places like um, uh, Ethiopia, they go at the risk of being blown up. They know that if they go to church, they run the risk of losing their life and being blown up in those churches by Muslim terrorists. And these terrorists, these Muslims do this because they think that they are serving God. And they are of their father, the devil, Jesus would say. And so Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. And he uses 
uh, to he uses false religion to do his work. But church, we live in a day and age where the devil doesn't have to disguise himself. Uh, we live in a day and age where we worship evil. We celebrate evil. And God has given man over to his depraved mind today, and we celebrate, we see the world celebrating what we used to call sin. And those people who celebrate those things still are going to kill Christians. And you know what? They are, they are persecuting Christians And they think that they are serving their God. The God that they have formed in their own mind. Their secular God. The the God that they have defined God should be and is to be. A God who affirms their lifestyle. A A God who affirms their sin. And that is the day and age in which which we live. Jesus tells his disciples, they are going to kill you, and they are going to do it thinking that they are serving their God. But it's a false God. Not only are they going to kill you, but verse 3 says, and they, do, and they will do these things because they have not known the Father or me. These people are so full of evil and hate and murder because they don't know God. They don't know Jesus. Jesus says in John chapter 8, verse 44, to those who were trying to kill Jesus, he said to the religious leaders, you are of your father, the devil. And your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character for he is a liar and the father of lies. These people are of their father, the devil. And we see it going on today. We've been reading about it this week. If you follow our, our prayer page on Facebook, we have a couple in our church, and I, I can't because we're on Facebook Live this morning. Uh, I can't mention because due to security reasons, but we have a couple in our church who, who have traveled to Myanmar, very good friends with a family who have had orphanage. There's about 50 children. 20, about 20 children in this Christian or orphanage. And they have had to, the family has had to run, escape in fear of their life. And those who, are, who remain are in, uh, are in harm by government who is seeking to eliminate Christians. They hate the truth. They are, of our, they are of their father, the devil. We see it in Myanmar. 
We see it in our country today. You know, last week uh, for our um, life group discussions, I sent out an email uh, regarding a a, uh, video link. Almost uh, shared the last three or four minutes of that video link uh, with you this morning uh, in this message. But uh, the video was Paint the Wall Black. And it's, it's about uh, Juan uh, Risco, who uh, has a, a deli, had a deli in Chicago called uh, Nini's. And, uh, and Juan was well received in the Chicago community. Um, he had major endorsements from professional athletes, uh, Nike. Um, he had his deli was one of the top 100 in the United States. Uh, the 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 line out his door for the food that he served was uh, was long, and uh, just a very popular personality. He was written up lots in in the Chicago newspaper, and then George Floyd event place in Minneapolis and Black Lives Matter became a bonfire and uh, Black Lives Matter wanted um, all these uh, different businesses uh, to go on social media and paint their wall black okay Uh, it be their icon it be their Facebook or Twitter whatever page they had on Facebook or on social media, just make it a black screen. So all these businesses painted the wall black. And if you would go to the business uh, page of social media, you could uh, scroll through all the businesses of of, um, Chicago and see all these businesses' walls be black, and then you would come to Nini's Deli. And theirs wasn't. And so everyone who loved Nini's Deli and and one um, went on social media and they started uh, filling uh, Nini's Deli's uh, page with all these hate-filled messages, Um, um, you know, pressuring one to paint his wall black. And he wasn't going to support Black Lives Matter. You know, Black Lives Matter supported a lot of organizations that as a Christian he did not agree with. And he wasn't going there. God was the creator of all people. God loves all people. We are all created in the image of God. And all lives matter. He wasn't going to support the Black Lives Matter organization. So all this hate came his way. And uh, insinuating that uh, he and uh, their business was a, a, they were hate-filled racists. And that wasn't them. So uh, one day uh, he pulled out uh, the microphone and um, a sound system. And he got out in front of his business and he started preaching the gospel. He started telling the truth of what God says 
and why he doesn't support Black Lives Matter. And you can imagine the crowd that began to build and uh, the, the, the lies, the profanity, the, the hate that came his way. You know, in this, in this video, it got to the point where he had to just walk away. And as he was walking away, people were throwing water bottles at him. Uh, just, you know, he was in fear of his life. He was, he was with a friend. He was going to his car. And it just reminded you of uh, what happened to the Apostle Paul when he would go into the cities and preach the gospel. And he would be um, persecuted. He would be stoned. And he'd have to be driven out of that, those cities where he preached the gospel happening in Chicago. This is the world that we live in. Secularists want to build a new society without God, without the God of the Bible. And these godless secularists want to shame Christians into the closet of silence or compliance as they themselves come out of the closet to aggressively intimidate followers of Jesus Christ. And they do these things, Jesus says, because they don't know God, they don't know Jesus. And their father is the devil. And we've read about it even this week, church, when Robert Long in Atlanta went to a few massage parlors and killed eight people. And the world wants to say it was, it was motivated by racism against Asians. And in fact, we learned that Robert Long was a member of a Southern Baptist church. And there are people, there are Christians who are insinuating that Robert Long was radicalized in his local church with racist hatred. Because this church is a supporter of the Founders Ministry. Founders Ministry is out of of, uh, Orlando, Florida, I believe. Tom Askell is the president. This is a Southern Baptist uh, church. This is not necessarily a Southern Baptist organization. There's many pastors from many different denominations who uh, support this conservative network, biblical network, but because this church in Atlanta, Atlanta, Georgia, that Robert Long was a member of, and this church was a supporter of the Founders Network, and by the way, I am a supporter of the Founders Network as well, but because this was that type of church, that this church was radicalizing racial hatred. That is slanderous. 
And it's shameful that it's even coming from a supposedly Christian community, from Christian leadership. What Robert Long did was hateful. It was repulsive. It was criminal. And it was of his father, the devil, Jesus would say. How dare people insinuate that this church is radicalizing racial hatred. The devil is tearing this nation apart with critical race theory. The devil is tearing our convention apart with critical race theory. And Jesus is telling us, church, in verse 1, he's telling his disciples, don't be caught off guard. I'm telling you these things so that you will be prepared. Can you imagine Jesus hadn't warned his disciples? If Jesus was crucified and he came back and never said a thing about persecution and he went to be with the Father and all these things began to happen to his disciples, how long would they have lasted? Jesus wants them, them to know, Jesus wanted them to know. The church wants us to know. He wants us to be prepared. His disciples, then they kill you. And guess what? It did happen. Out of the 11 disciples, 10 of them were martyred. Peter, James, and Andrew, they were crucified. Bartholomew was whipped and then crucified. James, son of Zebedee, was beheaded. Mark was dragged through the street of Alexandria until dead. James, the half-brother of Jesus, Philip, Stephen, sown to death. Matthew, Simon the Zealot. Thaddeus died by the sword. Paul was beheaded. These things are happening elsewhere. And these things, I'm afraid, are going to come to this country as well. In a 1997 article by the New York Times, I don't like to quote the New York Times, but they said this, that more Christians have died under persecution in the 20th century than the first 19 centuries combined. And in our day, and even in our convention, the Southern Baptist Convention, too many Christian leaders want the world to love them. They don't want to lose their relational change so that they might have a gospel opportunity down the road. This is what Jesus says, verse 19 of chapter 15 of John. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you're not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, 
Therefore, the world hates you. Church, that's the consequences of following Christ. If we love Jesus, the world is going to hate us. Look at Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6, verse 26. Woe to you when all people speak well of you, for so their fathers did to the false prophets. We have leaders today who want secular leaders to speak well of them. And they've chosen silence or compliance so that the world might accept them. James chapter 4, verse 4 says, You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. And in doing so, they are compromising the truth of God's word. They are downplaying the, the, the cultural issues of the day because they don't want to harm their relational witness. And it's happening in our Southern Baptist Convention. And there's two big issues in our convention today. It's women serving as pastors and social justice ideology. And there's a fault line. And it is coming to a head in June at our convention in Nashville. We have entity leaders who would rather speak on the things that their followers want to hear rather than what saith the Lord. Turn to Second Timothy chapter 4. Second Timothy chapter four. Verses one through eight. Paul tells Timothy, I charge you in the presence of God of Christ Jesus, who is the judge of the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded Endure suffering. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. 
Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. I just want you to know, church, that I support Founders Ministry. I support the Conservative Baptist Network. I believe our Southern Baptist Convention is worth saving. And I don't know which direction the convention is going to go this June. But I am going to stand for the authority of God's word. And I'm not going to allow our church to drift left culturally. God has spoken. The gospel is true. We don't need extra gospel for our salvation. God's word is authority. God's word is enough. We've seen it happen three weeks ago. Beth Moore, a very instrumental uh, women's leader in our denomination, left the Southern Baptist Convention. Because she's on soft on some very important cultural issues. Jesus says, the world's going to hate you. But Jesus says, I'm going to love you. I am going to be there for you. You are not going to be left alone. You are not going to remain an orphan. I am sending the helper. And he told them this in the beginning. Now, go to verse 4 of John chapter 16. But I have said these things to you that when their hour comes, you may remember that I told them to you. I did not say these things to you from the beginning because I was with you. You know, when Jesus first called his disciples, he didn't really talk a whole lot about persecution. He didn't have to because he was with them. Jesus was taking all the heat. (laughs) Jesus wore the bullseye. He was taking all the arrows. But now Jesus knows he's going away. He's going to be going to be with his father and the arrows are going to be directed to his followers and as jesus is telling them these things they are really distraught look at verse five but now i am going to him who sent me and none of you ask me where are going but because i have said these things to you Sorrow filled your heart. You know, they're concerned about Jesus. This is Thursday night. We've been in Thursday night since John chapter 13, okay? And we're just a moment from Jesus being portrayed. And one more time, Jesus and his disciples, these things, and his disciples are distraught for themselves. 
Jesus has said that he's going to be crucified. He's going to die. He's going to go and, and be with his Father. But they're not asking Jesus questions like, Jesus, how do you feel? Jesus, you've been away from your Father for the last 33 years. What are you thinking? What was it like to be with your father before you came to, came, came to us? You know, what are you most looking forward to when you go back to heaven to be with your father? They're not asking any of those questions. They're distraught. And they're thinking purely of themselves. That's what Jesus uh, means here in, in, in this verse. He's going back to that. He's going back home. <laughs> How many of us look forward to going back home when we've been gone a very long time? When we haven't seen our loved, loved ones for a very long time? How about in this year of COVID and you haven't been able to be with your loved ones? You haven't been able to hug your grandkids? Because you had, you've had to live your life in isolation. Jesus was separated from his father for 33 years. And he's going to experience the ultimate separ- separation when he dies for us on the cross. He's looking forward to being with his father again. But the disciples aren't thinking in those terms. They're only thinking about themselves. And yet... Jesus is thinking about his disciples as well. In verses 7 through 11, Jesus talks about provision. First persecution, but now provision. So verses 7 through 11, let me read. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go... I will send to you, and when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father, and you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. Provision is going to be the Holy Spirit, the helper. Jesus has shared this already. Um, John chapter 15, verses 26 and 27. He says, but when the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. And you will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. Go to John chapter 14, verses 16 and 17. Verse 16 says, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. 
He says, I'm going to provide for you. I'm going to give you another helper. And that word another in the Greek means exactly identical to me. Whoever you have known me be, however I have provided for your life, this is going to be the helper in your life. This helper, Jesus says, has lived in me and he will be in you. Verse 17. Last part of that verse. You're not going to be alone. And so this is the provision. And what is this helper going to do? He's going to do many things. But this morning we see his primary um, ministry. And it's ministry through our life. The Bible says in verse 7, the last half of verse 7, the helper will not come to you. Okay. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you, will not be in you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin, righteousness, and judgment. The helper is going to come to you, and the helper through you, through me, is going to convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. How does the Holy Spirit, the helper, convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment? Through his followers who speak the truth in love, biblically. The helper is going to bring the world to conviction and of sin and righteousness and judgment as his followers obey the Lord's command and speak the truth. Sin. He's going to convict them of the world of their sin. What sin? The sin of not believing in Jesus. You know, the book of John, the gospel of John is written and John tells us over and over again through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to believe in Jesus. This is the only way unto, unto salvation. All these things have been written that we might believe Jesus. And if you don't believe Jesus, you're not going to go to heaven. You're not going to be saved. It is the only way unto salvation. John says in John chapter 3, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. You know, in John chapter 3, verse 18, if you, let's go to John chapter 3. I want to read that. 
John 3, 18 says, Whoever believes in him, in Jesus, is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come into the light lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out by God. We must believe in who Jesus says he is, all that he's done, and that he is the way, the truth, and life. And no man can come to the Father but through Christ. There is only one way to God through the person of Jesus Christ. And if you do not believe, that is sin. And the Holy Spirit, okay, is going to convict the world of this truth. We don't have to do the convicting. We just have to be obedient. We just have to tell the truth and leave it up to the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth, to do the convicting, to do the convincing. Only the Holy Spirit can open the eyes of the world, the rebellious heart of man. But we have the responsibility to speak the truth of who Jesus is. The Holy Spirit is going to convict the world of righteousness. What does that mean? Well, to go to be with God, one must be made righteous. And the only way a heart of man can be made righteous is through by believing the, the death of Jesus Christ. Why Jesus, uh, this to- the substitutionary death of Christ. Jesus took... My sin, your sin, the sin of the world upon himself and was crucified. And he exchanged our sinfulness. He gave us his righteousness um, uh, to, to us. It's the great exchange. But in order to be made righteous, we must leave in what Jesus has done. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 says, For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Only righteous people can ascend to heaven, to go, can go and be in God's presence for all eternity. And this has been true throughout the Old Testament as well as the New Testament. Psalm chapter 24, verses 3 through 6 says, Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord? And who shall stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to what is false and does not swear deceitfully, He will receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek the face of of the God of Jacob. 
Only Jesus can make our lives righteous. It's through the shed blood of Jesus Christ that covers our sin that when God sees us, God doesn't see our sinfulness. We are justified in the eyes of God. Justified mean, means just if I never sinned. Not because of what I've done. Because of what Jesus did. And my only hope was believing on what Christ has done for me. My righteousness before a holy God is like filthy rags, the Bible says. Only Christ can make one righteous. And Christ, in his righteousness, ascended to the Father and is seated at the right hand of his Father, interceding for you and I today, that we would be people of faith, that we would be people who believe, that we would be people of holiness, that we would be people who are persevering in our faith in spite of tribulation. I'm sending you the helper who's going to be in you. And this helper is going to convict the world of sin He's going to convict the world of righteousness and he's going to convict the world of judgment. Judgment is true. And the Bible says that the enemy has been judged. And if God can judge the enemy, the devil he will certainly judge those who do not believe Jesus Christ. These words are true. Jesus says we are going to be prosecuted in the world's court because we're followers of Jesus. But Jesus also says we are going to be God's prosecutors. God's always had prosecutors. He's had prophets in the Old Testament. We see John the Baptist in the New Testament speaking truth to power, speaking truth to Herod and being beheaded for it. We see 10 out of the 11 disciples uh, being God's prosecutors and paying with their life only one who didn't die, and that was the Apostle John who died at an old age. See, Paul who was killed, Paul was God's prosecutor, church. Now it's our turn. God wants us to stand for truth, for righteousness. And Jesus doesn't leave us powerless. He's given us the Holy Spirit who's going to do this through us. It's the bad news, isn't it? 
talking about pulsin, how the only way our sin can be forgiven. But you've got to tell the people the bad news before you can get to the good news. But unfortunately, there's a lot of people today who just want to focus on the good news. Church, we've got to speak the full counsel of God. I'm so grateful that we as a church are going through books of the Bible book by book. And that we can't ignore the full counsel of God. And these are difficult issues. And you know, when you preach about sin, what's happening in the world today, it comes across really political. But it's not political. It is biblical. And we've got to be people of the truth. People full of love. Love biblically. But know that it has consequences. And then in verse 12... Jesus says, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. He had a lot more. And through the power of the Holy Spirit that is going to be poured out into disciples, we're going to see the New Testament written. The full counsel of God. He couldn't share these things that night, but he had much more to say, and he was going to say them through the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of truth who lives in us. The Spirit who's going to help us to overcome, to persevere, to love our neighbor biblically. Church, we are living in tough times. Not nearly as tough as Christians have it in other parts of the world. But it's going to get more intense here. And God has given us a helper in the Holy Spirit to speak the truth in love. To be people full of grace, people full of truth, just like Jesus, but to not be ashamed and to trust him for the consequences. So church, let's hold on to the truth because the truth holds on to you. Remember, We are in communion with the Trinity. And people who are faithful to God's commands, we have the Holy Spirit, we have Jesus Christ, and we have God the Father. And he will reveal much more of himself to those who obey. May we be those people. May we be that kind of church.
pray for our convention. Pray that our convention will make the right decision. But we know God is going to provide regardless. God is going to be glorified. I just want us to be people of the truth. Pray. Father, thank you for your word. It's not easy to to preach sometimes. And Lord, I know that there are people who love you passionately, who are standing for truth today. And God, they are suffering the consequences. I think of one who's had to flee Chicago, has had to start a new life in, in, in Texas to start over again. God, his consequences are real, but Lord, he is trusting you every step of the way and he would not do things different if, if he had the opportunity. God, you have grown him in his, his faith in his witness, he has seen people come to Christ because of his obedience. God, you have been glorified. We thank you. Father, I thank you for the conservative Baptist network who is standing for biblical truth. God, I pray for Pastor Mike Stone, who's running for our convention as president. God, I pray that uh, this message of what he believes about you and your word, that, Father, our convention would affirm him as our next president. We need a president like him for the Southern Baptist Convention. God, I pray for Christians here in this room that they wouldn't be silenced in shame for what they believe or they wouldn't uh, yield to compliance of of what the culture, of what their peers want them to believe. But Jesus, I pray that they would believe the truth pray for our young people. Our young people are under so much pressure from their, their, their peers who, who don't know you, God, don't know Jesus. To live according to the world's standards, to celebrate the sinful behavior, lifestyles of the world, to love them uh, and embrace their lifestyle. God, you know that that is an abomination. And our young people are living under such pressure. God, help them to believe you. To believe the spirit of truth. Help them to be bold, courageous, 
in their faith. And that they're not alone. That Jesus, you hold them. Thank you, Father, for this time. Help us to obey. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.